you. Hey, Rajesh. Good to be back in New York. Good to see you again. In spite of the fact that we spent nine hours together on a plane and a car in transport, still wonderful to spend so, more time together. So Ari and I are back from our West Coast jaunt to Napa. And uh, I have to tell this story, Ari. We, um, I was so thrilled when you emailed and said that you booked the same flights as me. And when, when we met at the airport, and I was texting you and I was like, hey, um, what gate is it? And you're like, I'm on the plane, Rajesh, like get over here. Uh, and then I got on and I switched seats with someone so I could sit right next to you. And then we flew all the way from JFK to SFO and then drove all the way up to Napa together. I mean, did you think that it was going to be such a hardcore bonding trip? I was hoping. And it paid off. Well, I, can, I think I can sincerely say, even during the days that we were there together, we found time to talk about the day and debrief. I, I didn't run out of things to talk about. So hopefully you too. I felt the same way. And I thought that the, 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 the best day, part of my day was when you were like, I was at the bar and it was late. And then you were like, you're like, like, I'm leaving now, Rajesh. And you're like, I just felt like I had to come and say goodbye personally after all the time that we'd spent together today. <laughs> I was like, I was I was totally thrilled. But um, what did you think of the WPP? We were out West Coast for WPP Stream, uh, which is a unconference that WPP runs. Like, what were your impressions of it, Ari? I was told it was an unconference, which I don't know what that means. And then at some point, you or someone described it as more summer camp than conference. And that description for me captured more than anything else. It was a fantastic experience. The more I reflect on it, actually, the more I, I feel I got from it. Because it was self-organizing and it was self-directed and it was largely a social event. So that camping sense of it was true. It was who do you want to hang out with today and who are you going to meet today? And then I actually took some practical lessons from some breakout sessions. There was something on neuroscience that I thought was brilliant. There was a session about the upcoming election that I took a lot from on a personal level. There were sessions on cookies and the future of a cookie-less world that were practical. And we get into it more, but I also benefited a lot, not coming from an advertising or marketing background, being surrounded. I don't think I've ever been surrounded by that many marketers or that many advertisers. And it helped me rethink my own relationship to that part of the work I do. Wow, that's that's great to hear. And, and I'm and I'm so glad that you're feeling a broadening and deepening having come back. Um, and you know, just to clue our listeners in here, oh, you know, when when Ari describes it as summer camp, I think that's 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 a, a great description of it. And 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 you know, it's self-organizing. Um, you know, part of the agenda is structured and part of the agenda is, uh, you know, individuals who are attending creating space for certain conversations. And um, I was thrilled to host a conversation that you came to uh, with my with my friend and, and, and former partner from VML YNR, Kalita. Um, and we had uh, a topic titled storytelling from storytelling to story living 
What does it mean when your brand comes alive through the experience? And how do we make sure that we're keeping our stakeholders, the humans that are our stakeholders at the front and center of that experience? Um, and you were there and we had an engaging talk. And so let's today pick up a little bit of that, Ari. What were some of the things that perhaps you enjoyed about that or resonated with you or maybe some things that you were like, huh, that left me thinking. You did something in that session, having been to nine of these throughout the day, days, that no one else did that I practically made a big difference. So it was one of my favorite sessions. And specifically when I reflect on it, most of the other sessions introduced their topic Every session was well facilitated. Every session had experts. But you took the time to go around the circle. There must have been 30 people at the breakout. Everyone introduced themselves. Everyone said their company. And you asked a prompt that maybe you want to share with everyone. Uh, my first reaction when you're doing that is say, wow, I'm looking at my watching. It's going to take us 20 minutes to get around the circle. The fact that you did that, among everything else in the content of the session, I thought, what an important use of time, which was not my, my first reaction is, oh, this is going to take forever and never get to the substance. <laughs> I thought it loosened up the conversation. I think if we went to interesting place, it became more personal than any other session I was in. That's what struck me aside from the content, just so you know how much I thought that mattered. Wow, that's great. That's great. And maybe in some sense, it was, you know, born out of the fact for me of sort of saying, well, this is a human-centered experience. Let's get some humans into it. Uh, so, so the 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 prompt was, you know, tell us your name, you know, the company you're with, or and what you do, and and the first piece of advertising that you remember. And 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 you know, idea being there that like, for me, when I was listening to most of these, most of these seemed to have hit on an emotional level versus just a practical level. And I think that's what led to the retention of it. Uh, but it was, it was, it was great that you felt that as a result of doing that more people, I think one, we probably had more empathy from where each person was coming from when they shared their comments, but two, that it really loosened up the, the discussion. It did. And I hadn't thought about it that way, but it's true that if you're doing a, human-centric or story-telling session, having people tell their story or being human-centric is a good idea. It's probably not the norm. If I could take one lesson out the, the whole day, I'd probably do sessions. In fact, I was in one not that long ago where we said, well, this is going to be an agile, user-centric session. And then the leader of it spent the next 30 minutes going through PowerPoint. <laughs> so your experience ought to match the promise, which is one lesson. I, I was surprised how many people, when they're talking about their early marketing memories, it was things like cereal. It was things like jingles. It was, my case was the early Atari advertising, which I was, more than anything else, when I reflected on that session, it started to shape for me some ideas that I've been thinking a lot about for IBM, which I recognize as different than many of the brands were there that were consumer brands that the continuum of advertising, my emphasis lately has been so much on product-led 
And I believe so deeply in that for a company like IBM because we have these incredibly substantive products. We believe they matter for the world. And talking about them doesn't change the world. Getting people to try them changes the world. So a lot of my thinking about marketing and advertising is shifting away from traditional television, traditional digital, to driving towards experiences of the product itself. And I was really locked into that thinking, but as I heard from other people, I could understand if you were dealing with a consumer product or a product in which, let's say it's fashion, the brand really matters, that experience means something different for them. And it may not be the experience of the product, like hands on a keyboard product, maybe more the emotional connection to the fashion or the brand. So hearing that and empathizing with all these different stories opened up my sense of what storytelling can mean. And there was a lot of conversation about what experience means. What did you take from that? Did that strike you, the experience part of the conversation? Yeah, I mean, I, I well, you know, I appreciated when you were talking about how, you know, the brand is the experience. I think you added that kind of line to the discussion and it, and it ended up on the board where we wrote it. Uh, and, you know, of course, we see so many brands who, who have come about through uh, advertising and probably the easiest one. I mean, one of the ones that came up in the session was, was Kool-Aid, right? Kool-Aid's a brand with Miss Kool-Aid <laughs> burst through that wall. I mean, with all that, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, there's a brand where, where, where that advertising is showing you a, a product benefit of drinking Kool-Aid. Uh, and then you see brands on the other side of it, which really were born out of experience. And, and, you know, the one that I provided an example on was Uber, right? And the, 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 what was Uber? It was the experience, the, the, from beginning to end, pressing a button and having a car show up. And originally it was a black car show up and you get out and you're a hero. And that brand was, was born from that experience. So it was sort of flipped on its head. And when we, when, when we go from storytelling to story living, it's how do we grab the essence of both? How are we, how are we starting with an understanding of what our brand stands for, who our brand serves, what are the values our brand holds dear? And then how do we live those story live? It's not just about telling a story. It's living that story. Uh, and, you know, brands who, 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 who perhaps people think of as doing this well are, are brands like REI or a brand like Patagonia, um, where that B Corp is, Patagonia has set up a B Corp and Patagonia is all about sustainability. And how do we make sure that the ethos of our brand is coming through the experience? Yes, I, among other realizations, this was a little funny, but there's a profoundness to my flight home where I was thinking about why I don't think I'll ever be an advertiser. I'll never be on that side of the business. And part of it is one of the things I feel really comfortable at with IBM is the emphasis on the product. 
and the sense that I have when I say that in 2023, your brand is your experience. My sense of that for us is I can put all the 30 second ads on TV I want and I can talk to you about IBM. And then you're going to come to IBM.com and you're going to try Watson Assistant or Watson Orchestrate. And your experience in those moments of trying the product are so much more powerful than anything I can say. That the millions and millions of millions of dollars I put into TV or other kinds of advertising are wiped away in five seconds if my experience doesn't live up to what I said. So it's not that it's not important because it does drive people to the experience in our case, but the experience has the value. And I personally wouldn't love doing work in which I didn't believe deeply in the core of the experience. In other words, I don't think I'd love marketing one toothpaste over another toothpaste. Not because I don't have a preference, I, I do. It's just realizing that it's not just my belief that your brand is your experience, but it's my preference that that be so. And I, I hadn't realized it's one of the reasons I've chose IBM and one of the reasons I'm here 24 years later, I so deeply believe in a product that matters and I want people to have the experience of it. Yeah, no, that's terrific. And, you know, we spend so much time in the world of B2B. And one of the things I know I always am trying to do is learn the best practices from B2C and how that can be applied in B2B. And why I find B2B so interesting is because of the complexity of, of the story living, right? Like the B2B experience of, of I'm thinking of whether you are a, a, a telco company or a mobility company or a financial services company or a logistics company. So much of that experience, especially when you get out of small businesses and into medium and, and larger enterprises, the, the businesses often are multi-stakeholder. So there's a, a, you know, it's a B2B to C. And even in the B2B to C, there are salespeople or there are customer service representatives. Or if it's in the healthcare environment, you have a, a payer and then you have all of the healthcare professionals and then you have the end patient, customer, consumer, or patient. But then you have the, the family of that patient, all of these different... So, that is one set of complexity. And then the second set of complexity that we talk a lot about is the link between digital and physical. So as, a, as we go on a journey uh, where, where some of that journey is, is exploring a product online and data fabric, I learn about it online. Maybe I sign up for it online, but maybe I also come to garage and I, and I get an opportunity to talk to other people and do things with that product. How does that journey traverse digital and physical? And story living is about recognizing that from learning about something all the way to becoming an engaged customer who is not just engaged on a single product, but multiple products, that's all story living. Like that's a whole thing is the brand experience. That whole thing is the brand. That resonates with me. I was thinking about that same thing in the context of my own emphasis on product-led works really well for the users of our products. But one of the things we've realized practically is the users are not the buyers. 
B2B is complicated, as you said. So the experience of the user, which has to be product-led and has to be simple and easy, is table stakes to get to the sale. Now enter a new character, the buyer. This is the person with the budget. That might be me. That might be you in the ways our organization are constructed. I may never try this product. So what's my experience? And how does it relate? And then what responsibility do I have as a marketer to catalyze and have the users and the buyers talk to each other and move the whole forward? I love that complexity, but I must say we've been wrestling with it. So the session made me think a lot about I am leaning probably too far into my own preference for the product-led user experience. And I have not spent enough time thinking about the buyer experience and making sure that meets up. I don't know if you've seen that in the session or elsewhere in your work. Yeah, no, I, I think it is a really interesting one to solve. And I, I've seen it I, I I've seen it in, in other spaces. And I think one of the things that if you take it back to uh, products that are all digital or digital viral loop products, I wonder if there's also something in here around having the building something into the experience that makes it easy for that user who is passionate about the product to amplify it to the internal decision maker, right? Like maybe one of the, I think, great insights from Reid Hoffman from LinkedIn, he would say, have your best users do more for you. Yeah. Uh, and and when, we, when we think about, remember that button where I can endorse you for B2B expertise and then you get a notification where Josh endorsed you for B2B expertise, right? That was like a situation of getting your best user to do more for you. Best user would recommend Ari as B2B expert and then you'd get a little notification and then that would cause you to log back in, right? And then you might do that for someone else and pass it on or, or maybe not. But how do we get the, the, the people who are experiencing the product and enjoying it to then amplify it to their internal stakeholders? Like, hey, look, this is something that's really great. That's on my mind. The metaphor that comes to top of mind for me is I used to consult and I did consulting among other industries for pharmaceuticals. And in the US at the time, a lot of the marketing material was aimed to get the consumer to talk to their doctor. Mm. And that framework has come back to me recently because it very much captures an instance of what you're describing, which is there is a difference between the user and the decision maker, or at least the decision influencer in this case. And in a traditional model, things came top down from the doctor prescribing to the patient. But if I have access to the patient, it makes sense to me to arm them, hopefully for their own good, but certainly for commercial reasons, to arm them with a set of questions they can bring to their doctor or a checklist that they can bring to their doctor. And that kind of marketing has been incredibly effective in that industry. I think there's something parallel to something say. to learn there. That's a great point. That's, you know, I'm just thinking out loud here in an email that they can forward that 
lays out why they like the product. So it makes it easy for them to pass it on to others. Or I think you're right, though, to study pharma as a way of saying, here's an industry that has been doing this quite a lot and effectively. Uh, that is a really good idea, Ari. I, I like it. I like it. So, my friend, I'm so glad. I'm so, so glad we did it. And I'm glad to see you back state in uh, New York State. And uh, I can't wait to do it again. Yeah, I hope I participated actively enough and insightfully enough to be invited again, because that did seem to be one of the criteria. So we'll see. It's like waiting for your grades to come out. I, I, think, I think I nailed it. <laughs> you definitely did. You streamed like a pro. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Ari. I'll talk to you soon.